everyone, Kim here, and welcome to our latest installment of the Rebel Podcast. I'm still feeling that one out a little bit. Um, anywho, this is episode three, and I am joined today with my podcasting partner of nearly three years, if I did the math right, my go-to guy for all things Star Wars, and one of my very best friends, Mr. Jason Brain. Oh, what a lovely intro. Thanks. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. This is great to be podcasting with you again. It feels like it's been far too long. I know. Like, we took the small little hiatus from our existing podcast. And mm-hmm. and on a crazy whim, I thought, let's do one for board games. And that's what, what? we've been doing. So um, it feels it it feels nice to, to have my buddy on the other side of the mic with me again. Mm, thanks. Always a good time. Even if we don't know what we're up to. So. Yeah, no clue. Who knows? I'm just playing what comes across my table. You played a fun game the other day because you sent me a picture of it. I did? What was I playing? You were playing that adorable Takenoko game. I was. I was teaching my uh, my parents were visiting, and I said, I have a game, and it's got a panda bear, and my mom loves bears. This is true. So that was, uh, it was, it was interesting because my, my parents, I'm, I'm getting them slowly into uh, this, um, the brand of board games, right? Wonderful this, uh, arena of what? The wonderful, yes. The, the stuff the, that's uh, not, quote unquote, not Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> beyond monopoly and they've been they've done really well they did really well with um azul and oh, I love that one. to get to ride and what's the last thing what's the other thing uh oh, i can't remember uh, the various things i've kind of introduced them to and uh takanoko was um a, a, one step beyond it was started it was like it's a little it's got a little more oomph yeah it does um that's what was it i think if if there weren't um for anybody who's familiar with the game right so the the tiles that you that you lay to to build your you know gardens and ponds and forests and lakes and trees and whatever some of the tiles have those uh like specific condition markers on them like oh, built into yes. it that was yeah. that was like that was the thing that threw uh through my parents a little bit it's like that's one rule too many <laughs> i gotcha so that game gets me with the movement. I always try, I always move wrong in that game. Like mm. my brain just can't go diagonal or something. Gets me every time. And then once sure. I'm about halfway through playing it, I'm like, oh, okay, I remember. But every time I, there's this Kim, yep. <laughs> you've played this game before. <laughs> but right? it's adorable. That game is so cute. Wow, well, yeah, we. I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to breaking out again and teaching Sarah how to play it. Nice. So that must have been... Well, I know we talked about that one when we were visiting mm-hmm. uh, last. Oh, now I have to say last month is when I visited you. Mm-hmm. It makes it's me been sad. a while. Lots of things have happened since then. <laughs> so oh, I'm glad that you picked that one up. That's a fun one. You, you, you're you yeah. picking great gateway games, which is kind of what that Azul and that Ticket to Ride and kind of stuff is. I'll have to send you some other funnies, some fun ones to try. You should. While the while I'm able to throw things in an Amazon cart and they keep getting purchased. <laughs> You just slip them right in there. Just like, oh, look at that. Look at this new game that showed up. I do that, but mine are Kickstarter. So then they've been on Kickstarter for so long that I somewhat mm. forget that I have purchased them. And then one day right. this wonderful thing shows up at your door. That's actually kind of that delayed gratification is kind of nice. Sometimes it's so delayed, though, that I forget. <laughs> I forgot about it. Like, I've got one game that it's um, called Guildmaster that's been on the on the waiting list for a while but we keep getting updates and they were moving mm. right along and then the virus at china and all the factory shut down so oh man there have been some delays with that but sure. understandably so sure so we've got some new funness over on uh the channel mm-hmm. we've gotten a we've gotten a little crazy and, and started doing well when i say started we've done two but we are looking to do more <laughs> three makes a pattern cam which three. is one more than this podcast um We've been doing live plays on Facebook of some of the games that we get. Um, and I even asked this week of some other ideas. And there are some really good ideas, but I'm not 100% sure how to film those yet. So we'll work mm. on that. Um, somebody had mentioned Dinosaur Island, which is a super fun game. I'm just not sure I can get it all with one camera. So that may be mm. one. That may be a nice future state one when I can get a couple different camera angles. Because that has multiple boards. It's just it's just a big table hog. Mm. But it is like a fun, fun game. And, uh, but we did one, so we're, we're doing that. I think the last, both times we've done it, looks like we're Thursday night seems to be a good night. So sure. Keep your eyes and ears open. We'll try as long to as everybody, as long as everybody's watched the latest episode of Picard, then they have time to watch it. Right. Show. Or if I get it in before Picard, I have to That's watch, right. I haven't watched this week's episode yet. Mm. Um, I'm excited because I know who he's going to bump into. 
But oh my goodness. You're going to love it then. I'm so excited. I won't spoil it for anybody if you haven't watched it, but completely unboard game related, seriously, go watch Picard. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Um, we did a playthrough this week of a game called Gone Caving. So mm-hmm. I'll kind of segue into that one. Um, I completely stumbled upon this game because I knew somebody who knew somebody. <laughs> um, it was a friend of mine knows the artist that was hired to do the graphic art on this game. And it was developed with, uh, in the Dayton, like Cincinnati area by some folks who just love to go at cave exploring. That's so, so cool. I, it's, it's been the most amazing experience, quite honestly, to stumble upon this game. It is a really fun, just two to six player card game, which already checks some cool boxes because it's portable. It's easy to teach a lot of people. Um, you're really just doing some tableau building. So I'm drawing a card, playing a card, building up points in my tableau, essentially. It has a tiny little, tiny little bit of take that in it. So there is a card in the deck that will let me take one of the passages that you've explored and put it over onto my into my little tableau. And that's mm-hmm. it. And I guess I can play challenges. Um, you can play challenges on each other. And so that could slow you down. Okay. It's, but sometimes you have to because somebody... It's really... I mean, because you're drawing cards, who knows when you're going to get um, some of the cards that you need. But it's super thematic. And I love it. And I'm, like I said, I'm very impressed because this game was developed. These folks aren't necessarily in the gaming community. They just wanted to make a game that highlights their hobby and they've really kind of just shared it with other cavers and they made a really solid game awesome with they got uh grant money to do the artwork so the artwork's already done and paid for and it's i i really i'm a sucker for good artwork anyway and it's such a unique theme if if you google games about caving you're not gonna find very many sure and I was, it actually made me, I learned some stuff about caving that I didn't know. I used terms that I didn't know. So it was, it had a little educational aspect. And then what's really cool is all of the net proceeds from this game, they're just donating all that money to the National Speleological Society. And they just focus on cave preservation. So it's not them, try, they just wanted a fund fundraiser for that society. And it turned into this gone caving game. That's great. That's so much, that's so much fun. Um, and I know you said you did a live playthrough and didn't you do a review? Video we did a review. Well? Yep. There's a review video over on uh, YouTube and I will say because it's so local, <laughs> there's only a couple of them out there. So uh, they just <laughs> didn't have, they didn't, they hadn't even thought about reaching out to the board game community. I just happened to bump into the girl that knew the, the graphic artist. And I said, Hey, we'd love to show that on our channel. <laughs> So we're That's trying to get so the word funny. out. Please, you know, yeah. definitely go check out the Kickstarter. It, as of the date of this recording, it has 18 days to go. It has funded, so it's a done deal. Great. But there are some cool stretch goals. I'd love to see them hit. They're looking at water resistant cards, water oh, okay. resistant, and then I think another upgrade is like completely waterproof, because they're so you can play this game while you're in the middle of a damp cave. I guess so. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Um, they're, and they've been working to try to make sure that they can get this game available, um, like in gift shops and stuff Mm. at national parks and things like that. So that'd be cool. Yeah. I think it's just, it's a really cool cause. The game is super fun. It's a unique theme. So it checks a lot of boxes for Mm -hmm. why I would want it on my game shelf. So, so yeah, definitely. If you get a chance, go check it out. Uh, They're already talking about an expansion that they're going to put out in spring of 2021. So they've already got some extra cards that they're going to add. And this has a pretty quick turnaround. So as we were talking with Kickstarters and delays and and some of them take, you know, a year longer, they're looking to have this one out um, towards the end of the summer. Oh, wow. So it's a, and thankfully, because a lot of the hard work's done, the cards are done. They said when I talked to the designers, they're looking at maybe updating some of the icons or maybe some of the flavor text on the cards, but otherwise it's it's pretty much a done deal. Excellent. So they'll be able to very quickly go straight on into into printing. Mm, so that's, that's pretty good. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you can have this, you can take it camping with you, you can take it hiking with you, you can take it into a cave. They've got some cool pictures on their website of them playing the game while they've been out on some of their caving adventures, <laughs> which I think is really cool. Yeah. That's it's fun. A super cute game. I really like it. Mm, cool. And you'll probably hear me mention it. I'll mention it one more time when we talk about Kickstarters at the end of the show. Ah, fair. And we have some other good news to announce mm-hmm. this week. Oh, this th- is exciting. And you're involved in it, too. So we are. I am. I, I think you are. I I plan on being okay, involved good. in this. Maybe we should have <laughs> talked about this before. <laughs> 
So we are, as a team, officially going to be at Origins 2020. Whoop, whoop, 2020 all the way. At the Columbus Convention Center, unless some crazy (laughs) coronavirus ruins all of our lives. Oh, Um, good lord. I mean, at this point, we're committed to coming anyway, so if if convention doesn't happen, uh, you just got to show us around Ohio. So, taking place June 17th through the 21st at the Columbus Convention Center, it is my most favorite gaming convention. Don't tell all the other gaming conventions, but it's my favorite. Uh, They're all listening. They all now know. (laughs) I love Origins because it is big enough that you get a lot of great publishers there, a lot of great games to check out, some previews. There's a few good releases there, like Plan B Games, who did like the Century Spice Road. Um, They even, I think they have their hand in Azul and things like that. They usually have a big game release there. Um... Renegade Games usually has a few good games published in there. It's not like Gen Con where everybody and their brother has a new game coming out. Mm. But it's small enough that you can walk around, sit down in a booth, probably get a chance to demo most of the games that you're wanting to see. Mm. Take part in some cool events and just sit down and play games with folks. And you got enough elbow room in there. So it's got about 20,000 people or so that come. That's Um, great. The area around where it takes place at the convention center is also super fun in Columbus. Mm -hmm. It's got some of my favorite foodie places. So it's like a Ah. a win-win when I'm up there. Well, that that's good. Because if I, I will never lead anyone astray on good food. (laughs) We are, we are looking forward to the guidance. (laughs) We may have to do a whole preview show just about like a section of that podcast where to eat while you're at the, (laughs) while you're at. Oh, I like it. Let's do it. I like it. So, yeah, we'll save we'll save all the goodies for that show. But I am super excited. And we actually might just have a few more announcements about Origins, but you're going to have to stay tuned for those. Well, Ooh. Yeah. I, we always say you got to leave you wanting more, right? <laughs> got to come back for the next one. That's right. So, yeah, we'll have some fun announcements for Origins. But I will – I believe you and Sarah and at least myself will be there starting Wednesday mm-hmm. with – uh, Mr. Jim Breeze will probably join us either Friday or Saturday. Gotcha. Uh, and then I'll be there through Sunday. Cool. Well, we're looking Less forward than... to it. I mean, Sarah oh, I'm thrilled fun. to have you guys coming. Yeah. So awesome. I mentioned that Jason and I had done a po- had been podcasting partners for three years. We are. Yeah. I guess I shouldn't say where we still are uh, because that podcast is still alive for now. <laughs> Hobbling along. <laughs> um, but we chose. Uh, back in the day, well, Jason chose back in the day to start a podcast podcast about podcast. this podcast about a CCG, a collectible card game, which mm-hmm. I was not fa- I was familiar with board games, but to be perfectly honest, until Star Wars Destiny came onto the scene, I really wasn't super familiar with CCGs. Sure. So you got your CCGs and your TCGs. So what? Uh, I'm gonna let you elaborate a little bit more on oh. what the heck. What the heck is a CCG? Oh, you know, it's uh, it's an acronym. We love we those. all love we all love a good acronym. Yeah, CCG and TCG they're uh, they're interchangeable, and and I'm not really sure why a company would go um, with one acronym versus another. Uh, CCG can stand for either collectible card game or customizable card game. Mm-hmm. Um, the original uh, the original Star Wars um, oh, card for- game that was put out by Decipher was yeah. called uh, was a customizable card game. That's how it was marketed as um whereas a game like pokemon is uh has always been marketed as a, as a trading card game a mm-hmm. tcg and honestly it's i'm sure it's up to your pr department to decide to whether are you are you marketing this as a are you are you appealing to the collectible the collectors the the deck builders or the people who want to be social sure i'm not really sure you know it's it's <laughs> All, all three are all, all three of those um, terms are used to describe the same group of uh, same classification of tabletop play, which is, uh, you know, uh, basically a game that is 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 a deck building game that is uh, distributed via blind packs. And the and typically the cards have a have different types of rarity, uh, which allows for the, the thrill of the chase, um, the uh yeah, the the you rarity thrill, game really helps. I say frustration of the chase. Thrill, frustration. I mean, you know, the number of people who are are out there unboxing things, and um, you just want to see them pull whatever the thing is. You know, a lot, and there are a lot of people. I mean, there there's a lot of companies out there who who thrive off of blind bag sales, 
Um, you know, look at vinyl mations that Disney did for a while. Um, all those blind bag things you can get check lanes uh, at the at Walmart. Um, <laughs> those keychains. Oh, I wonder what keychain I'm going to get. And, and and it's always at price at a price point that's like palatable, mm-hmm. um, unless you're either a serious collector or a serious gamer and you're actually looking for something in particular. In which case, you start throwing lots of money. Uh, into these products, um, which is really interesting because then, you know, each expansion set, because these games usually, it's not just usually not a one and done, right? It's a, it's oh no, the, they, you've got they... your base set and you've got your uh-huh. expansions. And then every two years, you get a new base set and you get new expansions. And over time, old sets become not legal for play. Um, but in the game, in the classification of, well, I mean, we can talk about the big three, right? So Magic, yeah. Pokemon, and Yu Gi Oh are the big three. Um, they have been for, for years, yeah, um, decades, decades even, honestly. Yeah, you can actually. Uh, I, I hate that I'm old enough to say that, but I am old enough to say that because I did some background looking, and Magic: The Gathering actually released in 1993. Yes, that hurts to yes. say a little bit. <laughs> but well, it's... we kind of remember, like the 90s was an interesting time, mm-hmm. right? Because there's, you know, society society had a different standard of morality, and we just were kind of coming out of the coming out of the 70s and recovering. The 80s kind of took a complete flip on on societal morality and then the 90s started taking um easing up on that a little bit there was still a lot of like um magic and uh magic the gathering did not have a great initial appeal except especially amongst parents oh yeah um, definitely someone tried to teach same, it like, to me it. yeah yeah i remember i this a friend friend of the family who was already close to adult so we're talking 16 to 18 i honestly don't remember how old he was was attempting to teach me magic and i was probably eight or nine so i'm like what is this weird i didn't understand it at all but for so i was always i was the probably too young when it first came out to get it but i have a lot of friends now who definitely played it when it first came into inception and then got too cool for it and sold everything and now they regret mm-hmm. that decision because magic is still very, and it's probably like you were starting to say, I think with Dungeons and Dragons, it's kind of had a new resurgence. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and that, that is interesting. And that's, uh, you know, how CCG started, right? And then you know, magic wasn't, uh, magic became popular. And of course has, has lasted all these, all these years. I don't want to add uh, it up. <laughs> I know. Uh, Star Wars came out um, shortly thereafter. I know Decipher was in there. They made Star Wars and Star Trek. And yeah, a I forgot other about CCGs, that one. Yep. Um, that were that were uh, Star Wars. The Decipher Star Wars game was number two to Magic for the, until Pokemon just came in and ruled the world. Um, and then Pokemon came in and Yu Gi Oh. Um, so those are your those are your big three that have kind of lasted forever. Pokemon Yu Gi Oh still have the traction. Um, and what's really great about them uh, for anybody who plays those games is you can get them at your flgs um or you can get them uh usually at the target or the walmart mm-hmm. or wherever uh, you know whatever uh has a trading card aisle those um the magic and pokemon you should write alongside uh the baseball cards with one peg usually reserved for Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> because <laughs> gosh darn right, they gotta get in there too you're right though like i'm as i'm in kind of picturing the exactly where you're talking about when i go to target yep. or walmart it's exactly how it's laid out and it's interesting if you look at sales data, Pokemon is the number one um, selling card game. If you just look at big box stores, yeah, um, Magic doesn't do as well in the Target and Walmart as they do, of course, at your local game store because they they thrive off of Friday Night Magic and yep. getting people to the stores and the draft culture with Magic is amazing. Where you know, if you're not familiar with the CCG, you can actually go to the store without any cards in hand, um, usually like for a twenty dollar entry fee, and they give you packs and you build a deck. So yep. it's really it gives you that kind of like I don't know. There's there's a there's a it's, it's that deck building element of like a brand new deck builder game, mm-hmm. right? That you get to experience every time you draft. Yep. Uh, and so I've had a so lot really of friends that play Magic who say that that was the best way. That's they feel that that's the best way for somebody new to learn. Sure. Is to come in and do a draft because it's because I honestly I've tiptoed around Magic and I have several friends who play it um, even competitively, mm-hmm. uh, but I haven't. And it's funny because I before I didn't have experience with the CCG, so I'm like, I don't even know what you guys are doing. And now after experiencing the CCG, I still struggle to understand, well, why is that guy powerful? Why would I want to attack that one? And so it feels like there's a big learning curve to it. But I think if you go in at that at that draft level, and Magic's actually just recently announced that they were going to release, I don't know when it's coming out, but it is you buy like two booster packs and you're able to just mix them together and that's a deck. 
Yes, yes, they're uh, <laughs> they're they're attempt at uh, putting together a product that would attract the Keyforge audience back into Magic. Yeah, I think is really what <laughs> that's right. all about. Um, they're doing something similar with a new. They've got an un unsanctioned. I think is what it's called. It's a set. It's actually like it's like a, you buy. It's like buying a deck builder game. Like you you buy the unsanctioned box, and it's a, from what I understand, the price point is pretty high, huh. and it comes with five half decks. Uh, and then you pick two half decks, and your your opponent picks two half decks, and then you sit down and play a game of Magic. Huh. So, and then you have one half deck left over for the next time you play. You know, each one's built off of one of the five elements. So, you know, there's what's interesting. I guess what's interesting about Magic um, that they've done really well, and honestly, Pokemon does the same thing. Is that um, you can go out there and buy a product and play the game right off the bat. Like you can mm-hmm. buy a, a pre built deck, a starter deck, um, or any of these kind of like you know build a deck things um and don't have to worry about the deck building element if you just want to play right right um the the other side the other side thing about ccgs is they tend to have a rather large competitive culture which is not something you see in the average board game field right you know there's magic pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh are the top three because not only are they popular uh but all three of them their parent companies in wizard of the coast uh i guess pokemon's it's a Pokemon company now. I think um, so. And then, and then Yu-Gi-Oh, which is uh, by Konami. Um, all three of them have uh, very robust organized play programs that uh, generally end, uh, eventually end up in cash prizes. Mm-hmm. So people go to play, and there are pro Magic the Gathering players yep. who make a living off of playing Magic in these events, whether for show or you know actually winning the prize money, which pays for their bills for the entire yeah. year or whatever it is. Crazy. And then there was that little one that we did, (laughs) that we covered. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes. And we covered Star Wars Destiny, which is how how you and I got together. That's how we met. uh, On this podcasting journey. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, you got roped into my little podcast, which we were the first Star Wars Destiny podcast. We came out. We started started recording in September of 2016. I believe you joined like January 2017. It wasn't long after we started. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was after. It was after. Yeah, you guys have done a few, but it was the game was still relatively new. Mm-hmm. We hadn't had our first worlds or anything like that. Yeah, and this was Star Wars Destiny was uh, produced by Fantasy Flight Games, which is the uh, subsidiary of Asmodee, or Asmodee recently purchased in the last couple of years. Yep. Um, and it was their first, uh, and maybe only ever CCG. <laughs> um, and it was it was a unique because it was classified as a customizable card game, but each pack contained five cards and one die, mm-hmm. and that was the that was the difference is that the game um, relied on these dice that matched up with particular cards uh, to play in battle and, and create a create a slightly different random element than you normally get from a from a card game. Yeah, I've only seen and played one other game with a similar feel to um, to, and I'm not thinking like there's a there's a whole other subgenre of di- something called dice master masters mm-hmm. from WizKids. And that's totally different. But Plaid Hat Games put a game out called Ashes Rise of the Phoenix Born um, that has a dice aspect to it as well. So that you have to be able to cast, pay, use those dice um, to pay for the cards that you want to play. So a little bit different than Destiny, but had a similar, you know, I get to roll die. It, unlike Magic that doesn't have a die component other than a counter or Pokemon or anything like right. that. And honestly, Ashes kind of struggled the same way ffg did with um consistent product mm-hmm. which unlike magic who has been a fine-tuned running machine for years now they've got they've got their releases you know down like clockwork but ashes and, and both star wars destiny seem to struggle with that a little bit and it because otherwise i think that you would see ashes up here in kind of in the it, it's a beautiful game the, the artwork is absolutely amazing. But Star Wars Destiny, of course, had the Star Wars IP, which is what drew me to it to even start with. Sure. And, uh, and Star Wars, the Star Wars IP has always made those card games successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like, does the Decipher, the original, the Cypher CCG, I think just got overcomplicated. So there was a, a somewhat high barrier of entry mm-hmm. if you were coming into the game late. Like, you know, you already, oh. I, I mean, if you've, if anybody follows Team Covenant and they do a lot of um, looking, they, they do a lot of board game videos, but most of the stuff they've done in the past couple of years has really looked at um, the LCGs and CCG community mm-hmm. and the kind of stuff they do. They recently did a live playthrough of Decipher's um, I did CCG. see them share that, but I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. It's like, 
them just the the setup it's mind-blowing to me that i ever played this game especially when i was um because i was in middle school at the time the, <laughs> the the number of rules and the setup and just all the stuff now granted they were playing a game with cards from like the first 10 sets and i think i stopped after like set seven mm-hmm. and they got really like i mean even even if you just look at the original set for that game there were five different card types um and, and different rules for each one. And then there were probably seven or eight by the time. Uh, it was just, it was really, they called it granular. I'm not really sure what they mean by that 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot in that game. You just had to know a lot. <laughs> it was, it was, it took a long time to play. And I think that's well, what made that, that one suffer. And then um, Wizards got the license for Star Wars after Decipher lost it. Um, and they produced a couple of kind of, they produced a couple of card games that were, a little more appealing to a younger audience and they that didn't last terribly long i'm not really sure if they were the last ones to have it before ffg oh. or not it was, there may have been someone else between them yeah so now you and i have talked about this outside of the podcast uh, as being somewhat of a completionist i know mm-hmm. that it's a problem that i have and it was not fully exposed to me until i entered the world of ccg to where being a completionist and getting yourself involved in a collectible card game can be quite a a challenge for yourself Mm -hmm. because you find yourself, it's not that I'm just chasing that one card. I'm chasing all the cards. (laughs) Yes. Yes, there is that. (laughs) Um, Gosh, that is such an interesting challenge, right? And I think anybody who wants to jump into a card game has to make, has to make a personal commitment to one thing or another. Yes. Understand what the, what the risk and rewards are for each one. So we'll take like, let's take a new game like star Wars destiny or final fantasy or one of the wrestling, any of the newer, um, Oh gosh, what's that new one? A lot of people are playing Argent saga. Yes. Okay. Um, I don't know any of these new, newer customizable card games are kind of like the new hotness, right? You have to make a decision. You have to decide what's more important to you. Is it playing the game? Or is it collecting the game? Mm-hmm. Because if it is collecting the game and you have little, like, then you've got to decide if you're going to collect the game, then do you just have this deck that you play, like, when you want to go out and play it? And you play it, like, as frequently as you'd play, you know, that one game in your board game shelf? Right. Um, in which case, then you can go out and you can be the collector and you can go buy the packs and you can put them in your binder and get one of every card and, and feel good about the joy of collecting, right? Yes. Or you decide to be... You decide you want to go in it as like, I'm going to be the top tier player and I'm going to win all the new world championships or whatever. Then having all the cards won't be important because there's probably 80% of the cards that you would never play with because mm-hmm. they're not powerful enough. They're not, they, they don't fit the metagame or, or whatever it is. I mean, thankfully the price point for cards in Star Wars Destiny are not the same price point as what you see in Magic the Gathering because there are cards that are to get your hands on as well over $100 for a card. Mm-hmm. We yep. had some, I mean, not to say that we didn't have some prices on cards and Destiny get close to that, but not right. um, but not quite that high. Uh, but then, of course, if it's a character card you're looking at, well, now I need two of them because I need both of the die. Right. So then that, that becomes the, that, that's where you got to really figure out which direction you want to go. And I think a lot, a lot of the, you'll find that a lot of top tier players uh, don't take the time to collect. Mm-hmm. I think I, it's they they look at me. they look at everything digitally in advance. Yeah. Um whenever this you know, whenever the company or content creators or whatever spoils the set or the set comes out and all the images are made available via whatever social media means that that particular game favors. Uh I think that's when that's when folks make this, you know, they know enough about the game. They're so deep in the strategy, they know these are the seven cards from the set that I'm gonna need. Right. Otherwise I don't need any of the other stuff. Yeah. I like how you put it though that that if to make the decision to look at it as I have this deck or maybe even a couple variations of it. And I treat that like, like a board game that I have on my shelf and that's what I'm going to take off and play. And I wish that you had mentioned that to me, like when awakenings came out. <laughs> because Well, I wasn't that smart back then. So. <laughs> <laughs> because I did the same thing. I immediately went into it with a collector's attitude. Mm-hmm. And not only did I have to have a set of cards to play, but, Jim needed a set of cards to play and what if we wanted mm-hmm. to play the same thing that we found ourselves collecting nearly four of every card right and there Which can were be harder. oh yeah and there were I'm trying to think how many cards were in that first set I mean it's over 100 cards it was 176 mm-hmm. times four you yep, start running out of space real quick mm-hmm. I learned so it wasn't until the first rotation 
that suddenly this looming rotation is upon us. And I went, holy cow, all these cars I just bought are really not going to be important anymore. Right. And it wasn't until that first rotation that I finally had the wake up call that went, okay, kind of like what you said, I have to go into this as I'm just going to build a deck, not try to collect every single card. Mm-hmm. Because like, you're right, you don't play a good chunk of them. And I should have learned that from my magic friends because they certainly aren't cha- out chasing every single new card that comes out. They're picking a deck and that's what they're playing all the time. And they're yep. investing money in just that deck. Yeah, so, yeah. that's very true. And it it is uh it's it's interesting because that that is uh that is a core issue going into a lot of the a lot of the newer games, right? And you've got to decide. And nine times out of ten, and unfortunately, a lot of the newer games become like people can profit off of them, right? You can flip them. Yeah. And when you talk about we talk about value of the cards, right? So Destiny did have like some the earlier Darth Vader, I think at one point was like fifty bucks. So mm-hmm. you buy a pack off the shelf for gosh we were priced at 399 or cheaper in some places um you pull that darth vader randomly and you could go buy. you could go on you know some sort of buy and sell trade page and sell it 50 bucks you've made 45 dollars off that deal yep um and to your point when rotation hits and if anybody's not familiar with ccgs like once a once an expansion set has been out for a couple of years just to keep playability for newer players coming into it that that set is no longer legal for your standardized play and that you know, which is a you know that that means basically, imagine imagine sinking buying your six favorite board games for a grand total of two hundred bucks, and then after two years you can't play them anymore because they disappeared or something random. Yeah, like that's it's an odd it's an odd concept to think about, mm-hmm. and that's what makes I don't know I think it's what makes it's what's interesting about Magic and Pokemon is because they have they have such a long life. And Pokemon has such a strong IP. I just found out the other day that Pokemon is the number one intellectual property in the world in terms of really? revenue. Wow. Um, mostly due to sales of video games, but a yeah. good portion of it is based on the card game and merchandise as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it beat out Winnie the Pooh. It beat out Mario. It beat out um, Harry Potter. Like all, all it's just because of its age, mostly. I think you're think right. Because, yeah, well, you have people who are in our age who maybe experienced Pokemon back in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. when it was first released and now their children are playing it so I, I like i have a friend whose daughter is in first or second grade and she she has no idea how to play the game but she loves collecting the cards and so do yep. her friends at school and so they're buying pokemon cards taking yep. them to school and just it's just a trading thing for them so far but who's to say that you know she doesn't sit down one day and actually learn how to play it as well and now you sure. have this longevity of that game because you're looking at two generations that have now played it and now you've got the to to add on to that the people that are our age who remember <laughs> remember picking up the game when it first came out in 96 mm-hmm. and is now now those cards are clearly not legal anymore for right. any sort of standardized play. Um, but and and they're so underpowered compared to the current state of the game oh, anyways yeah. that even matter. Those cards are now they have some worth to them, especially mm-hmm. in, in mint condition. And so Pokemon and Magic both have created they've got a very strong gaming culture and they also have a very strong collecting culture. Yep. Um and it oh, is the yeah. it is the epitome of uh, making that decision for yourself are you the player or are you the collector can you sustain both and if you mm-hmm. if you want to you've got to be financially sound and have a lot of time because mm-hmm. um, you can't absolutely you can't do you it's hard for most people to do both great players games requires some money and a lot of time right and to be a collector of these games requires a lot of money and a, a little bit less time mm-hmm. um, but if you're getting into pokemon now and want to collect some of these really old cards like You've got to go on the hunt. You've got to be willing to sit on eBay and wait for them to be listed and make sure the listing is accurate and make sure no one's trying to scam you. Yeah. I mean, an unopened an unopened box of first edition Pokemon cards, sealed booster box, 36 booster packs, um, is is in the high five figures right now. Wow. Like you'd have to pay like seventy, eighty thousand dollars to get Holy cow. a sealed booster box. And most of the sets that was the coast produce which i believe was up until about 2002 mm-hmm. um all of those sets are very are very expensive to acquire like booster if you find someone selling an unopened booster pack um you're you're paying like 100 bucks for a booster pack with wow. the chance or the chance you might get absolutely nothing cuz some of those yeah. some of those cards still have no value like you could get <laughs> you could get a lot of the commons for you know a buck or two it's mm-hmm. but you then you get the 
mint condition first edition Charizard, which is you know selling. Um, I think the last public sale was a hundred thousand dollars. Oh wow! And where uh, are these boxes? Like, and I find that fascinating, and I, and we'll get into that because I know that's that's something that you're kind of focusing on now too. Where on earth are these boxes of cards? Just hanging out, waiting to get like, where have they been hidden? I I don't know. I mean, there are some people, there are some folks who are who are smart. This may have been the way I was brought up, or may have been what I was exposed to. But I feel like in the nineties, we were there was a larger collecting culture okay. in the world. Yeah. Like there was a little bit more disposable income amongst the middle class, so I think yep. people collected things more. I remember my dad collected Hallmark pedal cars. Um, we collected Beanie Babies. We collected all this stuff oh, yeah. that like. You know, we went through a period of time where, like, this is what what are we doing with all this? Like, why do we need this crap in our house? You know, um, and we all kind of had that realization mostly when the economy turned south, mm-hmm. um, and we all started selling those things as fast as we could. Yep, but I worked at an I, antique mall at the time, so I can totally relate. <laughs> there's there's a fair number of people who have held on to those products over the years, um, or or acquired them um, when they were a lot cheaper and yeah. held on to them because they saw the value was increasing. And I think what and so kind of we're getting into Pokemon specifically, as you mentioned, that's kind of what I'm getting myself into. Pokemon has the added advantage that Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic do not um, in that there is a whole nother media franchise driving the popularity of the IP. Mm-hmm. So Pokemon, the card game, saw a huge push and a lot of these older cars jumped up in value when Pokemon Go came out. Oh, yeah. And you yeah, had there was a ton a... of people yep. getting into Pokemon because they can now go around and in augmented reality and catch pokemon on their phone it is kind of fun i don't do it I'm as often as i used to um because in the little town that i live in no pokemon come to visit me so it <laughs> so it was kind there wasn't much to so i think that's why it it fizzled out a little bit for me and my husband but i have mm-hmm. a i have a friend at work who every time we go to lunch or sometimes when i'm just talking to him in general is fighting a pokemon battle while I'm sitting there talking to him and catching Pokemon when we're out at lunch and, and stuff like that. And I get a big kick That's out of funny. watching. I guess I live vicariously through him and sure. his Pokemon go-ness. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. Like that, that did kind of bring that franchise into light for a lot of people who had tucked it away. I mean, I've always known Pokemon was around, but I was, I was just the wrong opposite of magic. I was too young. I was almost too old when Pokemon really came out. Mm-hmm. When it reached when it reached small town where I lived, I guess, and my friends started getting into it. Yeah. Well, they, there was a someone joked that Wizards of the Coast was that was a very accurate moniker is that uh, it was the coastal states that had the most uh, popularity and drive and supply of product mm-hmm. for some reason. Yeah, because I really don't. I mean, if with it coming out in 96, 97, I was young enough by for sure, but I didn't have a Nintendo or a Game Boy or anything like that. So I wasn't playing the games. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I would have been, yeah, I would have been eighth grade freshman. So maybe I thought I was too cool for it. Uh, that you wouldn't have been cool for that, no. And so maybe that's why. And so I, I completely missed the boat. But I know, speaking of Origins, like we did earlier, they have a huge play area at Origins that mm-hmm. you can either come and learn how to play, and people from all ages, whether they're kids, whether they're whatever, will come and learn how to play. And then they even run tournaments for people who have been playing this for a long time. That's cool. There's like one whole area that kind of held, I don't know that they have any Yu-Gi-Oh events, but they have a big magic event there Mm -hmm. and they have Pokemon. And then up until last, well, I guess they won't this year, but last year they had a a destiny presence as well. Wild. So sad. I know. So you were talking some about, um, you know, this, this kind of secondary market of older cards. Mm -hmm. And and I know that that's kind of what now that destiny has FFG. If, If, for those of you who are not aware um, FFG has announced that this last set that just released yesterday, as of the date of this recording, um, that that is the last main set of Star Wars Destiny, and they are going to sunset the game. So we're we're bummed about that. Um, mm. But uh, Jason, you're kind of taking you're kind of taking off with Pokemon from there. Yes, personally, and I think that's I mean that the the question is, <laughs> what does Jason do with his life now that <laughs> you know outside of family and work? Well, it was a is, lot of time. You know, when it you're, was a lot of time when you're a content creator for a, a game like that, or even just board games here in general. But I almost feel like with with Star Wars Destiny, it was almost kind of more demanding that you were keeping up with what was changing in the game. There were a lot of events that you were that we yep. did coverage on and things like that. That it's it's a it's a big time hog yep. for lack of a better term. 
so now I, then, I feel like you get to you get to kind of take a step back and take a breather mm-hmm. and relax a little bit and make content at your own pace. That is true. That's been that's the nice thing. So what was the question? Was there a question there? You know, if I'm talking, there probably wasn't. But just kind of like what's well, you I think you and I have talked about that you had a, somewhat of a passion for Pokemon. So mm-hmm. is that kind of what led your decision and and really kind of finding some of these cool old packs that you can you can now film and, and check out is that kind of what led you into wanting to create that kind of content now that destiny is sort of sunsetting uh i think so i mean i knew i wanted to find something else um and I, i'm sure we're going to talk more about this as as tabletop rebellion continues because we we've, we've had to decide we've had to decide what what we're doing right the chance the chance cube which is currently the name of the um the podcast for our star wars destiny content um it is a registered nonprofit and is something that uh we've we've done to help build the community of that one particular game uh mm. with always with the intent um that it would grow and we we were the mission of that group uh was to create a place for people to share their love for that particular game um we we set up the ability um, and the infrastructure for people to podcast, I mean, at, at our height, right at the height of the game, we had like five or six people writing who just wrote for the blog because mm-hmm. they wanted to write two or three different podcast series that were going on, right? We had that competitive mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, we had a couple of different ones that we were going the main on. Show. Yep. And we tried to put, we had some really cool um, video content uh, as well that was being produced by uh, different folks. So we probably had like, you know, 15, 16 people um and really all we did was say here's a platform let us know how we can help you um and we're we're basically taking that idea and the chance he's going to ultimately uh rebrand over the next um probably the course of the year by christmas hopefully we'll be complete with the the turnover um but as soon as our destiny content uh wraps up completely the chance he's going to go back to doing that but um we're going to broaden our scope to tabletop games in general and we're going to not just talk about um, customized card games, um, but we're going to look at supporting anyone who wants to create content, uh, and not only under the name of the Chance Cube, but um, supporting various channels. Um, and you know, the Chance Cube is is the backbone behind what Tabletop Rebellion is doing in terms of infrastructure. Um, we don't plaster our name over everything because there's no need to. But and and so that that helps keep this content running and hopefully open the door for anybody. Like somebody wants to go and do a legends of the five rings podcast and Mm -hmm. they need a place to do it like we're we're here to help do that kind of stuff because you know getting into content creation there's a talking about barrier of entry right there's a there's oh yeah things that we've learned over the last three years that we can help share with (laughs) others and and really what's in it for us is um to help people do these things um and it, it will there be sort of revenue that generates to help pay for things along the way it's possible you know, someone may have something that's super popular and we can help, um, we can leverage that popularity to help mm-hmm. drive even more content for other people or for them or to help buy equipment. But, um, you know, that's really, at this point, that's that's where we want to take this. But I knew, to answer your question, uh, that was a really, <laughs> been wanting to say that for three hours now. Um, to answer your question, uh, I really wanted to find something that allowed me to create content for something I was interested in and not be bound by other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason, as, as I knew destiny was, was sunsetting, um, as you so eloquently put it, <laughs> I started really, I don't know why I, f- I fell in love with um, people who are opening Pokemon cards. And I think that's kind of a crazy thing. Like you're like, how can this be popular? And then the more I watch it, the more I'm like, okay, I'm sort of getting it. There's like, the, there's a nostalgia element. Oh yeah. There's like, there's like the, you know, watching someone try to find the chase card that they're looking at for. Oh, yeah. Um, Just the excitement of it, right? Like, we know how much fun it is to crack open packs. If you, there's a there's a sense of satisfaction and, and just excitement opening a pack and you don't know what's inside of it, whether you mm-hmm. are playing a CCG or whether you're opening a pack of baseball cards. Yep. And, and Pokemon has done over the last, say, 10 years, ever since the Pokemon company kind of took over, you know, Pokemon was first produced by Wizards mm-hmm. um, and then nintendo produced it for a i didn't second. know that wizards actually had i that was a fact that i didn't know well that's and that's that... it actually hers was watching someone today or yesterday i can't remember when um who basically said you have to realize that pokemon the english version of pokemon is the foreign language version hmm, that's it true is, it yeah. is produced in japan in japanese first before it comes over here every set is 
every set that we have is about has been in Japan for about three months. Wow. Before we get it. It's, it's kind of wild um, when you think about it that way. Because mm-hmm. usually we're, usually it's our cards that need to be localized. But the Pokemon company right. is localize the Japanese cards here. But they do a lot of crazy things to help promote collectors. I mean, there's a there's rares and super rares and hyper rares and secret rares and gold cards and rainbow cards. And you're like, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that fuels the collector only, which is really kind of funny because all these cards are available usually in... A, a more obtainable and cheaper format um but you know people want to accessorize their deck you talk about uh yeah accessorizing your board games right with with better components uh-huh uh, i love to bling out my games people want uh you know you may have that trainer card that's uh an uncommon but you really want the uh the rainbow hyper rare version because it just makes you look cooler yep i understand that well we saw that with destiny too when there were um promo cards or things like that it's just kind of fun yep. it's it allows you to be more unique yeah. Um, so really, yeah, that's, I mean, I have something about nice. it. And there's, there's an, there's an investing element. That's really interesting. There's a, like a whole marketplace economy thing. And I've always, I've always imagined myself as an entrepreneur, but I've not, I don't ever have the time to dedicate to being really successful with it. And I mm-hmm. still have to feed people. Right. <laughs> um, so I, I think there's that element of it too. That's really interesting to me. And honestly, I was talking to Sarah earlier today, like, if the YouTube stuff doesn't take off in the next few months, like in terms of like just getting subscribers and views, mm-hmm. like I would be probably pretty happy right now at the state I'm in with my life and family um, to not produce content and just collect and invest. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, cause uh, we're uh, hopefully <laughs> knock on wood that I'm able to put in some energy into tabletop rebellion as well. And, and do what you did for me and help more on the back end. <laughs> well, we'd love things, to have uh, you. So, keeping things rolling and uh um you've got uh, this personal as, as a plug for ttr you guys should check out the website um because uh, oh yeah you're doing a great thank you because i love what hours. you were making happen over there um there'll be some really it'll, it's gonna look pretty slick but uh that's a great place to see the latest content um articles all the youtube videos uh instantly stream to there as well so my new of, favorite feature let me tell you <laughs> and uh yeah of course it's podcast so you can kind of catch if you like if you like what kim's doing um and the rest of the ttr crew then you should really check it out and hopefully you'll see more of me as uh as destiny dies off and i've got more time to why play more games because i told him he can't get rid of me like i'm just going to keep stalking him around the universe and dragging him into more projects that's fine it makes me it makes me happy it's a fun like i mean honestly content creation is is my fun little creative way to i don't know have fun with a hobby Mm-hmm. And I have yep. very much enjoyed, like, with a game like Gone Caving or Garinta, which you've heard us talk about a lot on the channel, that it has been really fun and rewarding to be able to be kind of a cheerleader for these games. Um, sure. I'm not here to make myself big and recognizable and famous. I just want to be a nice platform for some of these, especially some of these smaller publishers, or just when you come across a great game, I just want to share it with everybody. Sure. I'll talk your ear off about a great game. <laughs> When Jason knows, <laughs> yep. um, so derail, it's, you've derailed uh, the Destiny podcast multiple times. I totally take over sometimes. You guys, it's super fun. Um, and speaking, I guess speaking of being a cheerleader, like uh, I did find, I promised I was going to stay off Kickstarter, <laughs> and since our last podcast, I've backed two more. Four, if you count the two that I've gone in on just for support, and might up my pledge later, we have backed four kickstarters wow so yeah uh there is a financial uh, cost involved to doing research for your podcast and then when you go out there and find games that you want <laughs> um but we talked about wonderland's war so i went ahead and i i've only backed that one at a dollar because i'm still on the fence but i really think it's gonna be an awesome game and i will probably end up full pledging that one and then i just today stumbled upon a late pledge for a game called honey buzz so once we get that i'll share some more some more info on that one um maybe next show i don't want to i want to it's beautiful so that got me on the first first one of course i've mentioned gone caving to you guys again i mentioned that it ships this summer you can have it really soon go check out that kickstarter page today (laughs) doing research for the podcast we backed viscount of the west kingdom this is a game from Garfield Games, and we are big fans of their stuff. They have super cool artwork. 
Um, this is the third game, or I guess the third installment of their West Kingdom trilogy. So that has um, Paladin or Architects of the West Kingdom, and then Paladins of the West Kingdom. That just that one wasn't hasn't been on. Well, no, I guess it has been on the shelf since last fall. So this newest one, they got me right in the beginning because it's a deck building game. I love deck building games, which is probably part of the reason I thought that I would love a CCG where you build your own deck. These are a little easier. I don't have to go and look at all my cards ahead of time and build a deck to take to the game. So there's that aspect's missing, thankfully, because I'm not very good at it. This one is you kind of build as you play. Um, and the newest one here also has a rondelle movement. And I have found that those are pretty fun now that I've played a few. And that's where you get to kind of move pieces or tokens. Um, they go around a circular track to determine like what actions you can take. I don't think I've shared any of these with you yet, Jason. Like this, uh, this is honestly a mechanic that I'm just starting to get into. I don't have a lot of games on our shelf that has that rondelle mechanic to it. I know uh, Crusaders I will be done from TMG. That's a gorgeous game. Um, it has a rondelle, and then so does Trajan, who is, uh, which is a Steffenfeld game, and he's he's one of my favorite designers. But what I think what sealed the deal on this one, there's a, the Century Spice Road. There's, that's a three game series that, as you bought each one of them, there was an opportunity for you to play them together as one big game using all three. And so, lo and behold, there is a pledge level for this Viscount of the West Kingdom that will allow you to play a campaign through all three of their other games. And I'm real curious to see how that is because these games are a little bit heavier than like what the Century games are. I know Paladins is a lot. Architects is, is fun. That's a, I put my worker here. It's kind of more of a worker placement. I'm real curious to see how those pan out. And it ships it in December. So that's pretty exciting too. I don't have to wait super, super long. I have it just in that's time awesome. for Christmas break. Yeah. Kind of like that idea. So, yeah, I got myself in trouble doing research um, <laughs> for the show today. Uh, there's one other neat one that's kind of caught my eye called Rival Restaurants. And I think this is because I was always into, and I don't know if you ever played these, like on your phone or whatever, a lot of those kitchen, like serving games. Sure. They're still out there. Uh, Diner Dash, I think, is the one that I played a lot. Mm -hmm. That's the name of the game. And this makes me think of that because it's a competitive restaurant owning game. Um, and this one... If you're somebody you played, you played uh, Outer Rim with us. Oh, we didn't get a chance to talk about that. Um, you you recall how long sometimes it would take between turns. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's a big turnoff. Yep. That's a big turnoff mm -hmm. in a game when you're like, all right, man, come on, hurry up. I'm waiting on. I knew what I was going to do 20 minutes ago, and I'm still waiting on my turn to come back around. This one, everybody takes actions at the same time. Oh, okay. So I can't, we've got... Um, they they don't play remotely the same but Quacks of Quedlinburg is a game where it's simultaneous action so I don't have to wait on everybody to take their turn oh and, okay and there are days that that's just the kind of game that I because I get depending upon which side of Jim I'm sitting on you got the bad side um <laughs> I love <laughs> my, I love my husband but he he thinks through his stuff and I've already thought it through I'm like okay let's go let's go I've just Jim and I move through life at very different paces. That's the best way that I can put it. And so I like, sometimes I just like, all right, let's everybody take a turn at the same time because I'm not, I don't have the patience for waiting for my turn. <laughs> there's one other game coming. Well, there's more than one, but there's another game coming to Kickstarter on March 30th called Hangry Dogs. If I'm being perfectly wow. honest, they totally caught my attention. Like one of the main icons of their game is a corgi with a piece of pizza. Well, that's that's a surefire backer for you. Uh, right? I was like, well, you have my attention. And the team there has been super nice. We didn't get a chance to do a review with them, but we're going to try to share some news of the campaign once they get going. This is fun little hand management, some set collection. So, you know, you're collecting slice. It's pizza collection um, is how they explain <laughs> it more than set collection. Sure. I saw on their facebook page like the game's gonna come in like a small little pizza box okay so the theme on it is absolutely adorable the artwork's really cute there's more than just corgis in it um but there are other dogs there's some raccoons um so you you can steal other people's stuff it looks like a really cute game so we'll be sharing a little bit more of that on our page as their kickstarter kind of ramps up but by all means you can go find them they've got 
a Facebook page active now, as well as Instagram. And they have shared a ton of card images, explained the gameplay. Like they're doing a really good job on kind of ramping up the campaign before it even launches. Mm. But it's a cute little game. But yeah, he had Sounds me. Like a, he had me yeah. a corgi with a pizza pizza. <laughs> he had me a corgi. He did. He did. Um, and then just there's just a few new releases. One that I think you're going to really like. This isn't it. Uh, first one I saw was the Wonder Woman Challenge of the Amazons. Has been okay. spotted in the wild at Target. I legit thought this was not a real game when I first saw it. Not in Target, but just posted on the interwebs. Uh-huh. But they're using an artist who's done some comic book, some Wonder Woman comic book art. Okay. And I apologize, her name has escaped me. Um, but it's from Ravensburger, and they've got some pretty solid games out there. And uh, they've really started to tiptoe into this kind of mainstream. No, I shouldn't say mainstream. Big box board games. I guess I should put it that way. So you're, I'm seeing a lot of their releases come out at like at Target and things like that. Target's really up to their board game show in the last uh, yes year. they have but this this wonder woman game is a cooperative game and you're defending like uh one the island where wonder woman came from that name escapes me as well because i've not followed wonder woman comics a whole heck of a lot but uh yeah, not, it's not a it's not an ip i know a lot of but i thought it, the game looks cool um watch it played which is a great how to play a video series that's powered by board game geek and Rodney Smith, they've got an overview and kind of how to play that's currently available. And I watched through some of that today. But basically, you're going to defend the island. Um, you've got different, five different Wonder Woman type characters. You've got Wonder Woman and then four other characters that you can play as. And then you're defending the island from three of like classic Wonder Woman enemies. So there's Ares, mm -hmm. Cersei, and the Cheetah. Ares is the only one that I was even familiar with. So it's an IP I guess I don't know enough about. But yeah. Feedback I'm seeing so far is that the game's pretty solid, so it might be another good pickup from the world of Target, which is... That's cool. It's just interesting to start seeing different yeah, games there. for sure. So, um, Atlas Rising, which was a big hit for Matthew Scott. We talked about that in episode one, so mm -hmm. that's popping up at your local FLGS. That's I really, I really need to find a friend that has this locally because I want to try it before I buy it. Sure. But that's another fun co-op game that I want to give a try to. And the one that I think that's up your alley is a villainous expansion. Oh, I already have it. You, did you already get the, the newest We've one? Already got the, yes, we have. <laughs> I figured that you might. So this is the perfectly wretched one. And I mm -hmm. and we talked about this when I was down there. Like that's the villainous game is a fun game. Yeah. It's different because it's it's one of those situations where your character is gonna play a little bit differently than mine. So I can mm -hmm. kind of give you an overview of the game, but then you're going to have some rules that are specific to you. Yep. Makes it a little harder to explain, but I think it gives it a lot more variety. It does. And every expansion seems to, I mean, it is, it is very well themed um, yeah. without it being overly complicated. Uh, and, and even the artwork is well themed. Like Pete, uh, the steamboat Willie. Oh yeah. Pete, one is it's all, it's completely black and white board with black and white cards, oh, which cool. I think is a great touch. Um, I hadn't DeVille, seen that. And Corella Deville comes with, basically puppy counters i haven't really looked at the rules for her but it's it's it seems like the goal is to get 101 puppies makes sense so you actually like she actually has a her own special tokens that she has to collect through whatever you know card actions that she picks up along the way interesting yeah i haven't yeah. and then i know the other new character is mother gothel from tangled mm -hmm. so it's just three in that set i think yeah each expansion tends to have three because the base three. set has six and then the other yeah. two expansions are three apiece interesting so they've still got a ways to go i mean they've still got plenty of villains that they can bring mm -hmm. yeah, they're, they tend to um they always grab at least one per set that's like not a mainstream villain right As they mm -hmm. had um yzma and one of them they've um i'm trying to think of some of the other kind of off the wall ones oh the done. um lion what the heck is his name oh yeah prince john prince john yeah that's john a zone. that was fun yeah that's yeah so i thought um i thought that i figured you guys would be picking that one up because i knew you had villainous but mm -hmm. yeah very nice and they actually i don't know if you saw this or not they have announced that they're going to do a marvel licensed version of villainous and it won't be compatible to play with the current that's unfortunate games yeah that'd be kind of interesting but it's going to be a marvel villainous that's fun 
Yeah, I think it's unfortunate for my wallet. (laughs) Right. I know. And I think the one difference that I saw is so in the Disney villainous, everybody has every character has their own deck of cards. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like in Marvel, they're going to share that deck. Okay, so it may be a little like right now, villainous is I mean, it's great, but you do feel like you're playing your own game with the exception of the take that's. Yep. In the game, which is uh, so it it is there's uh, hopefully maybe the Marvel villainous will have a bit. I'm hoping barrier for entry for folks. Mm -hmm. He calls it that. Um, and maybe that'll allow the other. I mean, I'm sure that obviously they're releasing expansion sets like crazy. So I'm assuming oh, yeah. they're popular enough. They're making their money off of it. But yeah, I'm hoping this is one that we may get a chance to see it in action at Origins. Oh, may, it may even be out by then. I don't know. I, I did not see. I saw that it was announced, but I didn't see when it was scheduled to come out. Mm, cool. But I guess that'll do it for this episode. Uh, it was so much fun. That's all the goodness that I have to share. Thank you, Jason. Thanks. I do appreciate you coming on and sharing all the goodness, and I hope you come back again real, real, real soon. Well, we'll try not to focus on collectible card games next time. Yeah, but there's always... Oh, man. The best part about talking about board games is there's so much stuff to talk about mm-hmm. about board games. So lots and lots of fun topics for the future. And and then, of course, we're going to have to we're gonna chat again soon to start talking about our plans at Origins to, you know, That's all right. cool games we're looking for. So. Mm-hmm. It'll be a good time. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Be sure to head over to the Facebook page. Give us a like. We'd love to share all of our latest news, our videos, Kickstarter news that we have, games that we're playing, as well as convention coverage. You'll find over on Facebook, uh, Instagram. We try to give you a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at things we're playing or what we're up to. What kind of, you know, sometimes I get some filming videos in there and stuff like that. And uh, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to the YouTube channel as well as this podcast. Be sure to give us a thumbs up. Give us a review on your your podcast listening service uh, because we love games. And we love having the opportunity to help bring people together one game at a time. Mm-hmm.